If there's two forces in America right now that a lot of us really don't like, it's the media and the government. <laughs> this guy worked for both for 30 years, but he's got some tremendous insight. We'll get right into our interview with Hanson Quickle right after this. Warning, applying these principles may change your life. People will look at you differently. You'll walk straighter, live bolder, and find out who you are. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Atcher. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. I'm your host, Josh Hatcher, and today's guest is Hanson Quickle. He was the broadcast media relations person for the Pennsylvania Senate Republicans for 30 years. And in that time, he learned a lot about the way the system works, a lot about what goes on behind the scenes with these politicians, and how it gets translated to the media. He's got a lot of thoughts on what's happening today and how things were different 20 and 30 years ago. We look forward to this interview. We're going to get right into it in just a minute. But before we do, let me invite you to the Manlyhood Man Cave, which is our private group on Facebook. It's a place where you can interact with men who want to be better men, who want to grow and learn and level up. And I encourage you to join that community on Facebook because I want you to join in with a brotherhood who wants to build you up. So please send a request. We'll you have a couple questions to answer. We'll look at your uh, your request as it comes through, and we'll approve it, and you'll have the opportunity to introduce yourself and get to know the guys in the group. All of that being said, guys, lots of good things are happening here at Manlyhood. Stay tuned over the next few months as we unveil some really exciting things, some really great interviews, some great topics that we're going to talk about and discuss I'm excited, and I'm glad that you guys are along for the ride. Without further ado, let's get right into our interview with Hanson Quickle. Hanson Quickle, it is great to have you on the show today. You know, you were actually a guy that I, uh, in my radio career, really enjoyed kind of working with. We occasionally had a couple conversations, but most of the time I would hear your work and then play it on the radio for other people. <laughs> But it's great to actually be talking to you face to face today. Great to talk to you. I, I'll, I'll, you know, any secrets you want to know about state government? Just you know, I'm retired. I can tell them all. Awesome. We might we might ask some of those. And I'll be shot like <laughs> after, right after the show is over. <laughs> yeah, you'll get instead of Hillary Clinton, it'll be Governor Wolfed, right? Is that? Yeah, somebody will. Yeah, he lives about five miles from me. So yeah, we, we don't want to take off. We don't want to take him off. It, more likely, yeah. it'd be the lieutenant governor there. What's his name? He's the scary. Oh, uh, yeah. He's more scary. Yeah. <laughs> so you have worked um, in PA government, in Pennsylvania government, uh, kind of as what is media relations is kind of what your job was? Yeah, I, I was the director of broadcast services um, for the Pennsylvania Senate. I, I guess I should explain briefly how this all works because people have really no idea, but the, uh, um, each 
part of the General Assembly. The House, the Senate, House and Senate Democrats, House and Senate Republicans have their own communications department. Within that department, there are writers, there are photographers, there are graphic artists, there are uh, radio people and TV people. So I worked for the Senate Republican side and I had, you know, on the Democrats, they had their own guy. So I, my stories were all interviewing Senate Republicans. I didn't interview any House members or anything like that. I got you. So then you would you'd interview them and then distribute it out to all of the radio stations and the uh, the media people yeah. that would would take it throughout from there. the state. Um, every station in the state I could get it to in each district. Um, I did what I called a voice wraparound feature every day that would make me sound like I was a Harrisburg correspondent for that individual radio station. And then I also sent out some individual sound bites from time to time that stations could do with what they wanted. So that that's, that's the, the crux of what I did. 31 so, years. Yeah. 31 years. That's a long time to do. Uh, it's a long time to be working with government people. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there, there's some, I met some real winners and some real losers. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> So your job is was kind of uh, almost public relations, or but but maybe with uh, kind of filtering it through journalism. I guess might be a good way to to put it, right? Yeah, I mean, I was you know you can look at it a number of ways. You can say I'm a propaganda guy, I'm a spin doctor, I'm whatever. But I knew that if I recorded a feature for a, a radio station news department and made it sound slanted where I would really slam on a, a Democrat member or a Democrat governor that the station wouldn't want to use it because it would be too politically biased. I really tried to play it down the middle as much as I could, where I would simply talk to the senator about what their bill would do, and that was it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't give a big speech about, you know, how the, you know, the Democrats are screwing things up or blah, blah, blah. I didn't do any of that because, you know, no, nobody would want it. So it was I, – I really tried to – now I had stations that wouldn't take my features because they thought I was biased, and I, I guess I was. But I really tried to play it down the middle, and and you know just target. I mean, my main job it well, there's two things. I'm I'm trying to get a story out to radio stations that don't have Harrisburg correspondents. Some stations when I started did they had their own people in the Capitol, but smaller stations around the state didn't. So it sounded as if I was there a guy working in the Capitol, you know. But I'm also at the same time trying to get the member of the Senate reelected as well. So it's, you know, I, I, I didn't work with people that were running for office. I, but I would work with um, the, the sitting members trying to get them reelected. Yeah. So through name recognition, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, and you're communicating. I mean, there's also a little bit of, sure. I can see where, where somebody who has a, you know, a bug up their rear might, <laughs> view it as propaganda, but really what you're doing is you're taking important information that, that the people in your party that you are communicating for and you're communicating it out to the to the community. I mean, you know, so I think that having that, um, you know, trying to not make it too biased was important. And, 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 and the thought that someone would think you were biased makes me laugh because I know how biased every newsroom that I ever worked in was. You know, and every newsroom at in every radio station, you know, you had people, um, you had people on both sides that were kind of receiving it, but um, there were a lot of people who would who already had bias, (laughs) 
you know, and I think that's something that even today, and it's funny because if I look back on, you know, the 90s and the 2000s when I was, you know, corresponding with you, or if I look at what, and I try to compare it to the world that we're in now, it's almost like, like then I knew, yeah, I, I knew that you and the Democrat guy, right, who was doing it, if you were going to send me a story, I felt like you were doing your best to tell me the truth. You know, you you were trying to yeah. make sure that the truth got out. What, could there have been a spin, you know, or were you, you know, sure, you were trying to make your guy look good, but you weren't trying to lie, you know, yeah. you weren't trying to cover things up. And now, man, it's just sometimes I just wonder, like, what can you even believe anymore? Yeah, it, it's terrible. I mean, the uh, now, now, now radio, you know, I the only the only trouble I really ran into with with radio, I mean, I work like I said, mostly with the smaller market stations, KYW and KDKA would not take my features because they had union guys in the Capitol that they wanted the story to come from them and not from me. They didn't want anything to do with me. Although I, Tony Romeo at KYW, we got along great, you know, but he, we had an agreement and, you know, every once in a while I'd send him some audio, but, you know, for the most part, they didn't want anything to do with it. And then there was, was the, the one station that really got on my nerves sometimes was the NPR outlets. WITF uh, was just flat out, you're a Republican, we hate you, don't even bother to send us anything, we won't use it, which I thought was was ignorant. I mean, I they're, they're, of all the news people I've, I worked with at, with that station, um, and that's where NPR is kind of based in Pennsylvania, WITF and Hershey, um, there was one girl reporter, Mary Wilson, who I thought played it down the middle more than anybody. And she would actually work with me and we had a good relationship, but most of the people that worked for that for NPR or that, you know, associated with WITF were very liberal and, and didn't even want to anything to do with what I was sending them. So that, that was unfortunate. I, I thought that was, and it's funny. It, it always amazes me how, that they continue to get funding because here you were supported, you know, NPR, so on and so forth, but they get a lot of money through government funding and considering how one-sided they are. I mean, if I was NPR, I'd be scared to death with, you know, if, if we ever get another Republican president, Republican house, Republican Senate, I mean, I'd, I would ax their funding <laughs> Immediately. And I think people were afraid to, because when you think you're axing NPR, you're like, my God, you killed Big Bird. You, you, you Elmo hater, you know, they, they immediately equate to the, you know, the Sesame street and all that stuff, but they are very one-sided with their reporting. Yeah. So I drive my wife crazy because I always turn the car to NPR when I'm driving. Um, and the reason I do is because I like the production value that they put in the news, right? They take a lot of time to make it sound interesting. Um, I like that they tell stories from around the world where, you know, a lot of the other stations uh, are very U.S. centric. So, you know, when I'm listening to the national stuff, especially, you get some variety. But I'm going to tell you, mm -hmm. I find myself raising my voice and cussing at the radio. <laughs> <laughs> at least once yeah. a day because um and and I know you know 
not all my listeners are going to line up, you know, as conservative or, or, you know, most of them are going to probably going to be more conservative, but I'm sure we've got some guys who might align liberal or libertarian, which tends to be more conservative, but kind of hates both parties. Right. Um, Hmm. But I know that I think everybody is frustrated with being lied to. Now, now, I was a news director at a, at a AM station uh, on a couple of different occasions, and I, I didn't really have any bias. I mean, I just read whatever I thought was the top story, and what I was getting from Associated Press or United Press International. When I, there was no bias in in you know, even when I was in my twenties. I don't know. I'm, I, I was always a Republican, but I wasn't really leaning that much to one side or the other. You know, and I always just played what I thought was the top story. And and growing up as a kid, you know, we had the the rabbit ears antenna, and the best we could get was a couple of stations. We get um, uh, Walter Cronkite doing the news on on one CBS, and then on NBC we had Huntley and Brinkley, who did the uh, David Brinkley, who did the news on NBC. And we never had any, you know, it was just straight news up the middle. I never noticed any kind of political bias at all with those reporters, you know, and now you've got to go, <laughs> you know, and it's, it, it's to get it down the middle. I don't think there's anybody doing it down the middle. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like you almost have to ping pong both sides. You know, yeah. you, you seek somebody out who's going to tell you their side and somebody on the other, and then you're kind of guessing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, realistically what I do as far as TV news goes, I tend to watch the NBC nightly news and then I watch a lot of Fox. I, now, the weird thing is you would think that me being a Senate Republican radio reporter for, for most of my life, I would have watched Fox News and Tucker Carlson and all that stuff. I didn't until like a year ago. I mean, until I'd say when, when COVID started, I started watching um, Fox because if you may have seen in my Facebook post, I'm pretty adamant about medical tyranny and I was just not seeing it. I mean, I couldn't believe nobody was asking Fauci the hard questions on, on NBC, CBS or ABC. I'm like, for God's sakes, your reporters ask the hard questions. And the only people that were doing it was Fox. So, or, or, or putting doctors on the air that were being blacklisted or, you know, taken off Twitter and losing their careers over this. If you disagree with Fauci or your career is over and I, I just couldn't believe that 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 the the networks were letting him get away with this or let, or letting this happen. So I started watching Fox more because of that, and and that's that's kind of where I am today. I watch a little of both. I I try to watch uh, a, a little. I don't watch a whole lot of ABC or CBS. I try to watch the NBC nightly news from time to time, and then I watch uh, a lot of the Fox shows in the in the evening. Um, but I, but I try to, I try to get both sides. I, I think what's happened in the past um, eight years, I would say, is that wasn't happening when I was a kid. Was the name calling, the direct lack of respect that the station has for, you know, like that Fox has no respect for, you know, CNN, CNN. They, I mean, they call each other names. They, you know, they they insult each other, and it's like, you know, I worked with the the, the Senate Democrat communications people we got along great our our tv people all got along great we were all working the you know we we all got along and there was never any you know just mean meanness (laughs) that's going on today with the media 
Well, I, I think even the the congressmen and the you know the the senators, I think they even mostly got along with people, even though they disagreed with them on the floor. I mean, I think I think even today, I think it's starting to get more vitriolic. But I think that you know people can work together, you know. But but there's something that's happened, like you said, and eight years, I think. Maybe even a little longer, but especially that time frame, man. Things have really shifted, and it's, I don't know, I think it's disheartening. It is. I mean, and unfortunately, you know, I I say I'm a Republican, but the name-calling all started with Trump. I mean, it it did. I mean, he was the first guy that started calling people an idiot or a moron and you're fat, you're thin, you're what, you know. The name-calling really started with him. I mean, I, I, I prefer his administration over Joe Biden's, but... The name calling and the the nastiness really kind of started under Trump. I mean, I, I don't recall it as much, at least under Obama, um, as I do with Trump. That's that's one unfortunate. That's one thing about Trump I don't like. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think he he tended to run his mouth when he probably should have just smiled and nodded. <laughs> yeah, but you know, at the same time, there's things that happened behind the scenes that were seemed to be pretty. Uh, divisive I think in the administration before I think Obama tended to have a uh, a certain amount of class in front of the camera and I think that you know I can I can respect that about him but I do think that there was uh you know some some pretty uh shady stuff happening behind the scenes so I will say this you may know more about that than I do because up until recently I mean when I was working for the state senate my whole focus was on state Pennsylvania politics so if people ask me a question about what was going on in the world and you know what's happening in the Ukraine, I have no idea because I wasn't watching it at that point. Right. Well, you're when I was doing local journalism too, I that was kind of where I was at. I'd hear the news every, you know, for 4 minutes once an hour. <laughs> but yeah. when you're focused on this is what I, you know, I'm paying attention to the Senate here, you know, and yeah, I can I can understand that. What um eight hours a day of you know if you're doing that job for eight hours a day and you're trying to keep track of, I mean I I could give you a bill number a lot of times on different you know it's like oh that's uh, Senate Bill so and so and that's so and so's bill you know and to to get that wrapped up in it and then to go home and and watch even more news nah <laughs> I didn't want anything I I just wanted to go home and watch you know Mr Red or whatever I didn't want any part of any more. You know, but now I have more time on my hands and I can watch some of this stuff. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was happening. You know, the name calling was going on prior to, to, to Trump, but I, well, I, it just seemed like it happened more in the past in that administration where it really started to get yeah. nasty. Well, and I, th- I think it definitely didn't help the dividedness that we have. No. I think that's, that's definitely something that has just continued to grow and grow and makes it very difficult, you know? So in your time as a, as what was the, the official title? The, the director Senate? of broadcast services. I, everybody called me radio guy. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> better, in, you know, in your, in your time as radio guy, uh, you probably had uh, some interesting moments. I, what do you think is, is some of the most interesting moments that you had as you were trying to, uh, to, to do that job? Serious moments. I remember one time I got chewed out on the Senate floor for something. Uh, that was by a senator who was a was just a horrible human being. We had we had some people that that's the unfortunate thing is, you know, when you work with these people, 
you know, 75% of them are nice guys. And then there are some that are just absolute morons and they, and they just will, they'd like to step on the little guy, you know, and, and there's, and you can't say anything about it. You just say, yes, sir. And <laughs> thank you, sir. I'll have another, you know, what, what people don't realize uh, is I think that some of these guys are, um, there are a few that really aren't that bright and you wonder how they ever got elected in the first place. And there are others that are very, very intelligent, you know, that, that, and, and you really enjoy, you know, having conversations with them, but you can, you can tell that in a, in a lot of cases, when a, a member gets elected, when they first come into office, they're a lot nicer than they are as years pass because as, as, Eventually, they all get told how wonderful they are. Oh, yes, Senator. Yes, you're a wonderful, Senator. And their head keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon, you know, you call them for an interview and they don't have time for you anymore. They're, you know, they're, they're meeting with this guy or that guy. Whereas when they first got in office, you could give them advice and say, hey, you know, when you're talking to this person, maybe you ought to try this. You know, and it, it, you could see a, a change in them, the the you know the longer they 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 stuck around that they the head swell a little bit. So the idea of term limits does that sound like a good idea to you? Based on that, I I don't really I don't know. You know I'm kind of up in the air on, on, in in that. I don't know if term limits is that. I would rather see uh, campaign finance reform. To be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I think, I mean, the, the amount of money that's spent on these campaigns is just, I mean, look at the, the TV with the, with the, uh, the Pennsylvania U.S. Senate primary, the money that's being spent. I mean, millions and millions of dollars. And it's just, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's really just absolutely insane. I mean, it's great for the, the networks, I guess they're making money, but you know, I, uh, I, I, I think it's really out of hand. Uh, term limits, I've never really had an opinion on that much. I mean, I the problem with a term limit is that it takes a while for you to get your feet wet. And and the senators that run or representatives that run on term limits, they they have they think it's a good idea when they run, and then they realize that for them to get a good committee assignment, it takes years. And to and to build a consensus among your fellow lawmakers, you know. So it's it in that regard. I'm kind of against it just because I, I think it takes time for them to get their feet wet and especially for a representative. I mean, I don't know who in their right mind would run for a state house or U S you know, Congress seat when you've got, I mean, you're running all the time. <laughs> you're barely, you know, you're barely even in the office and you got to worry about your next campaign. I and mean, it's just, it, it's just insane. I mean, at least for the Senate, you get a little time off, but it, it's so much time is spent on campaigning uh, that it's, 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 it's really unfortunate. But so, so term limits now, I'm kind of, uh, I, uh, I, I'm not really for term limits, I guess. You mentioned the idea of campaign finance reform. Do you find that, um, so, so in state government, you've got a guy running for office, somebody comes along and helps to fund his campaign. Does it have a, an impact on how he represents things on the floor later? Do you think? Probably. Um, I, I think it's hard to, when, when you were being backed by, let's say you're getting money from, uh, Marcella shale, for instance, you know, you're getting, you're getting money from the Marcella shale industry. Well, <laughs> are you going to vote against 
the interest of Marcelo Shale, if you're there, you know, they're paying for your campaigns, probably not, you know? So it's, yeah, it, it, it definitely has an impact. It does. I think that, um, pharmaceutical might seem like an interesting, uh, thing to kind of track right now over the past year, seeing the way that things have been playing out. I think, uh, that might be some of the interest that's been pushed along as well. Maybe. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's why the network's, uh, you know, the NBCs and the CBSs are, you know, they, they don't want to lose their, their money that they're getting from Pfizer or the other pharmaceutical companies. So they're not calling out the middle, whereas I don't think Fox has any, uh, seems like most of their ads come from the MyPillow guy. You know, he seems to be finding station all on his own. <laughs> but the uh, I don't think they're, uh, and if they did have any pharma ads, they, they would have pulled out by now because they probably after big pharma more but uh with with uh the the, the major networks and they, there's interest in china too i mean they don't want to make china angry because a lot of these companies have ties to china so it, it's it's more than ever about money it's just money 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 and it's unfortunate that so many people just believe everything they're told without having a uh, a sense of, well, wait a minute, that doesn't sound quite right. Maybe I should go to another source and, and, you know, and, and find out what, if this is really true. You know? And with, with what's happening with, with social media, um, you know, with being uh, um, unable to speak freely, um, there's because of that, all these other news sources have popped up like Substack, for instance, where where journalists who left their, you know, their local paper, which they thought was biased are now writing their own material, you know, and, and under a subscription. So there's, there's all sorts of, uh, uh, other avenues have popped up because of, you know, the, the, the bias, I suppose, of, of, the what you call the liberal media. It, that kind of reminds me of something else that I think a lot about. So I'm a conspiracy theory enthusiast. And that doesn't mean I'm a conspiracy theory believer. It means I find them interesting, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that journalist in me will hear a conspiracy theory and then I'm like, okay, where does this come from? Like, what was the thing that happened that made somebody believe this crazy conspiracy theory? And when you dig in and then you look, you sometimes can find a, you know, a, a, a court document or a declassified document or you can find you know, an old news story that was out there and you can actually start to see, all right, this is where this came from. You know, um, you know, like for an, a, a, an example that's been around a long time is, you know, I'll remember all the email forwards about the people that died after the Clintons, you know, if they had association with the Clintons and, you know, so you go back and you can see like Vince Foster, you know, died of suicide in his car and the whole thing was suspicious. So people took the suspicion and then they turned it into a theory. Um, I often start to wonder, you know, like how many, you know, some of these theories are ridiculous. You know, the, the idea of, um, you know, Joe Biden sacrificing babies in the basement of a pizza place, <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous, you know, but I often wonder like, what's the nugget of truth behind behind why this resonates with people, you know, and, and, and I think that that's a dangerous thing with the journalism kind of going where it's going, where people are just starting a blog and putting it out there because you can't, 
you can't argue with them. <laughs> you know, you, you can't really find the truth. It just amazes me how I mean, even the the White House press corps. You know, they when 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 Biden did his two hour you know press conference, there was areas where he wasn't asked. Nobody even asked a question about the border or Afghanistan. Or I mean, there was areas or crime in cities. They, they the press just avoided it completely, and it, it it's it's incredible to me how the reporting has gone downhill. I mean, you know, when I when I started in Harrisburg. Uh, we have what we call the media center, which is, I don't know if you've ever been to the, the Capitol media center, but it's, it's, it's like um, stadium seating almost. And, and then there's a stage and the, and the, the governor or senators would, would have it. And, and there would be reporters everywhere. And as years went by, there fewer and fewer and fewer reporters showed up, but they would just boom, 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 and ask questions of these guys. And there was no, there was no punches pulled. I mean, you, you, if you had it on your mind, you ask the question. And I watch these these Capitol or these uh, White House press conferences now, and I'm thinking in my head, well, why don't you ask this? But they don't. <laughs> they just, I'm thinking uh, that's. I'm. 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 I mean, even the whole. Uh, I'll give you an idea. The one thing that just confounds me more than anything else with with COVID. You got Fauci on one side. I. I am science. Follow the science. Vaccines are the only thing that work. Yada, yada, yada. And then you got, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough and, and other doctors on the other side that say, wait a minute, these treatments work. Why are you blocking? Why can't people get these treatments? Why, you know, would you imagine the ratings if you had Fauci debate one of these frontline doctors on, on a network show for an hour? I mean, it would be colossal. Put him on, put <laughs> him on Rogan. I, I, it just, I just can't believe it. I mean, after two years of this, nobody's thought of this. It's like, why doesn't they, why isn't this being done? It would, it would, it, it would answer so many questions for people, but obviously, I mean, I, I mean, they had a, they had a, a, um, a hearing at the Capitol the other day where uh, uh, doctors uh, were, were talking about different treatments and Fauci was invited and he didn't show up. And I'm sure that, you know, if he did, he'd probably be embarrassed. But still, I would love to hear, you know, why does everything that be so hush-hush? Why can't, you know, if, if Fauci's right that all these treatments of ivermectin and what hydroxychloroquine, it's, it's all hogwash, well, then get up and tell the American people it's hogwash. And you, you give me some scientific data that proves it's hogwash. You know, I, I want to, I, you know, I, I can't understand for the life of me why we have to, you know, it, this, this should have never, ever been a uh, Democrat-Republican issue. It, it, I, right. I'm just flabbergasted by that. Well, I, I think that's what's happened is that everybody is taking their position and dug their heels in the sand. And, and look, I mean, we know it's a real virus. I have friends that have died from having mm-hmm. COVID, although, you know, we could question whether they died from the COVID or the treatment they received in the hospital or... You know, some of them didn't have any comorbidities that we knew of, but that's a a factor as well. You know, I mean, but it does, it's a deadly virus, right? And so we have to approach it from that perspective. But the problem is, like, you feel like they're just not being forthcoming because every minute, every, you know, you've got one side or the other is lying, (laughs) you know? And when I'm looking at it, I see what makes a heck of a lot more sense coming from, 
Dr. McCullough and and um, and uh, these doctors who are doing things and, and looking at it and saying, and as soon as they say something, then they get silenced. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the, the one thing I'm a, a, a big, big, big proponent on is vitamin D. Now, Fauci was asked about vitamin D at one point, and he said, well, that's not going to stop you from getting COVID. And it's true, it's not. But there was an interview recently where a, a doctor, he's an emergency room doctor. He has a, uh, a website called medcram.com. He's a very pro-vax doctor. And he said, they asked him about it, and he said that of the people he's treated, he can count on one hand the number of patients, vaxxed or unvaxxed, with vitamin D levels over 30 that he's had to put on oxygen. And I had my vitamin D tested last year. It was 75. So I'm not afraid of it. I mean, I, I've never had it. I was exposed to it already. I didn't get it. Maybe I'll get it one day. I probably will. But I don't think it's going to kill me because of, of um, when I hear that from a pro-vax doctor. But that's the kind of thing that people should know. <laughs> you know, that should be front page news. I mean, there was a guy, there was, I, I read a press release from a college. I, I can't remember if it was University of I'll just say Oklahoma, I'm making this up, it wasn't them, but they had a press release about how an over-the-counter nose spray they did research on that it reduced um, uh, the, the effectiveness of the, the, the virus. Or the, 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 and, and I was thinking, wow, that should be heard. Oh, why don't more people know about this? But it was never, never even made a newspaper or anything. You know? So it's, it's, it's so frustrating when, when you know, there are things out there that could help people that, you know, I mean, millions of lives could have been saved, in my opinion, uh, if if treatments were, if you could discuss treatments openly. I mean, I, I yeah. think I think history will look very unkind on Dr. Anthony Fauci when this is all said and done. I agree. I, like I said, that little bit of a conspiracy theory enthusiast in me often wonders, is there something else going on here? <laughs> because it do, it doesn't make any sense. No, the the dig your heels in the in the dirt and and stick to this this uh, notion that the vaccine is going to solve all the problems when it's not. You know um, that that just it doesn't make any sense to me. There's got to be something else going on. Now again, we well, can't due to your immune system in the long term. That's your immune system could be ravaged by this thing. I mean, how many? There are doctors out there that initially said, if you get this shot, you've got two years to live. I mean, there's some really radical views against this. And now you're talking three or four, you're getting, you know, all these booster shots and look at Israel. They're like, they have the worst problem of anybody and they're the most vaxxed. So it's, you know, there's something wrong. There's, there's, there's big holes in the theory that, that need to be addressed. And unfortunately the, the networks just do not ask the hard questions of, of Dr. Fauci. So another thing that's really wrong is the fact that this man controls the funding that colleges get for scientific research. So do you think, and I'll give you an example of what happened here locally, where a, a local doctor was coming on one of the, the area radio stations, and he was giving updates on COVID, and he was very pro-vax all the way along, everybody get your vaccine, 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 vaccine. And one day they asked him about booster shots and he said, well, I don't know about that. You know, it sounds like a, you know, a way for, you know, big pharma to make some extra money. Blah, blah. He made some kind of remark like that. And that was the last you heard from him. I mean, he was, 
he was, he was not on the radio again. Now he was associated with with Penn State, uh, and and you know I'm sure somebody said, uh, Doc, uh, we're going to lose our funding if you, you know, speak up about this. So that was the end of that. He was never on the radio again. He still hasn't been. So yeah. that, that that's another thing that's really um, wrong about all of this. Well, and and I think it comes down to the idea of you know they say trust the science, and. I mean, that's a good concept. That's a good idea. You know, the problem is what they want you to do is they want you to worship the science because, you know, science should be allowed to be questioned. You know, that's what science is, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I, and it's the same thing. We see the same thing with, with climate science and we see the same thing with anything else. You know, a scientist, when you talk to a real scientist who does scientific research, they will tell you. We don't really know anything about anything. <laughs> you know, our job is to figure it out and we figure out little glimpses and then we do it again and it's different and it changes. But by the time the scientists publish something in a journal and it gets into scientific journalists and then it gets to politicians, I don't know, we get something completely different. Well, personally, you know, it, 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 here's what this is kind of a shame about politics too, where, you know, I remember years ago, when Bob Casey was the governor of Pennsylvania, the old Bob Casey, not the U.S. Senator Bob Casey, but Bob Casey, the governor, where he was a pro-life Democrat. Now, how many times have you seen a pro-life Democrat? You don't see any pro-life Democrats anymore. They don't exist. And unfortunately, uh, with politics these days, it's like everybody's got a side to be on. Like I personally, I'm a Republican. I do believe there's climate change going on. I mean, do I, do I believe that we should, you know, like the governor of California is, you know, going to ban lawnmowers, like, you know, <laughs> another year, gas power, well, you, you know, for God's sakes. Meanwhile, in China, they got coal plants all over the place. They're just pumping the, the gas into the atmosphere. And what, what are we going to do about that? Nothing. So why should we stop mowing our lawns when China's pumping coal into the atmosphere? Like, you know, so you can't, I mean, you can reduce um, uh, uh, contaminants, but you you still. I mean, if you want to go, you know, if if you just go with giant windmills all across the country, we're all going to freeze to death in the wintertime. You need you need some other forms of energy, and you can't. You know, the fact that you know just you know ending the, the Keystone XL pipeline. I think that was Biden's, you know, first mistake from day one. I mean, I, we can reduce our you know, damage to the atmosphere, but you can't just stop everything all at once and, and, you know, go to another form of energy. It doesn't work like that. So, um, so in that regard, it's, it's, it's hard to even, or gun control, you know, you can, if, if I'm a Republican and I say, well, I don't think people should be allowed to carry AK-47s but I'm okay if they carry a, a rifle and, and a shotgun or, or a revolver, then I'm not going to be looked at very highly in the Republican Party. I'm not going to get any money from the National Rifle Association or anybody else for that matter, um, or, I, or my party won't look very highly upon me. So there are certain issues where it's it's tough to be, you know, I, I you have to be on one side or the other and I think we could use a few moderate Democrats and a few moderate Republicans, you know, 
Well, you know, when I when I talk to real people, <laughs> I I know that's you having worked with people in Congress, you know, you probably see more of the real side of them. But, you know, when I talk to people on the street uh, and you start talking about the actual issues, you know, I live here in Bradford, Pennsylvania, and there's not a lot of Democrats here. But when you talk to a Democrat and you start talking about the issues, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking to my friend who's a Democrat and he's pro-gun. And he thinks that, you know, he's very pro-Second Amendment. And then you start talking to him and you find out he's also pro-life, although he has a lot of compassion for the women in that situation and wants to see, you know, uh, see us have some better programs to help them in that situation. But he's pro-life. And then you start talking to him and sooner or later you realize that all of the standard <laughs> boilerplate platforms that the Democratic Party has, this guy doesn't agree with any of them, but he still identifies with the party. And I, I see the same thing with Republicans sometimes. I think I, I'm almost convinced that in in most of the populace, we may have a lot of things we we agree with on a thing on, on you know our party on, but I don't think any of us are truly a hundred percent on one side of every issue. You know? Yeah, I, I don't think that. I think the common man is. I mean, my dad was a Democrat, but he didn't vote Democratic all the time, and. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I wish there were more, you know, more moderate politicians, but unfortunately they're, they're because they, they want to get money. They, they need funding funding for their campaigns, which is, goes back to campaign finance reform. I, yeah. I think it's, it's, you have to please your backers, even if you maybe deep down in your heart, don't agree with them. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the problem. That makes sense to me. By the way, the, 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 since I started it in, in, in the Senate uh, doing communications, the whole this is kind of interesting. The the whole makeup of the state has changed so much. Where when I started, the Pittsburgh Western Pennsylvania area was all Democrat, 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 Democrat. Where the eastern part of the state, the suburbs of Philadelphia, were all Republican. We even had a few seats in Philadelphia. And now it's completely changed. Where the uh, you know now, if you're a steel worker, you're you're probably going to vote Republican. I think that the core Democrat base has has uh, really changed. So now you have Western Pennsylvania being almost all Republican, and, and Philadelphia and the suburbs has has gone all all Democrat. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the next election. Maybe that's going to change. I think it's going to be a red wave big time across the country. I, I don't see how the Democrats get their themselves out of this. I, 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 you can't turn all this around on a dime. Uh, I think, I think the democratic party is in big, big trouble right now. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that a lot of the restrictive policies that were put through in the past two years, uh, in the state, at the state levels, at the, uh, at the federal levels, I think that it, um, and and obviously the most powerful and important you know he, he, person is the head of the party the the president and I think that he's kind of set himself up uh, his approval ratings the lowest it's ever been so I think it's going to make a big shift and and like I said I I lean I'm very conservative you know and I'm registered as Republican myself but I I tend to look at it all and I'm like man can we just like can we get a couple extra parties in here. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I don't, yeah. There probably should be three or four of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's all I mean, comes down to money. Yeah. I, and, and, and I get it. Some people are like, well, if you have three or four, then you don't, when, when you all vote, then you might have somebody win with 26% of the vote, you know? And, I'm, and so does a, does a majority ever rule? And I think, you know, I don't know. I think that's the problem is that it's party based. I think, you know, we're, we're also aligned with the whole, the overarching thing that we don't deal with individual issues. I don't know. I mean, you can't have everything be referendum, but I yeah. don't know. It, it makes more sense. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think, I mean, if not for, you know, the, the people of Pennsylvania speaking up, I mean, Governor Wolf would would love to be dictator Wolf. I mean, he when, when he took over with emergency powers, he had no intention of giving him up. He would still be, you know, <laughs> overlord of Pennsylvania if the people didn't put a stop to it. So it, it, it um, and, and he was shocked. That's what gets me is he was shocked that the people didn't just fall into line. He didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how he wound up the way he, I mean, it's so funny. He's like this Philadelphia liberal yet. He was raised like right up the road from me where it's mostly a Republican area. I don't know how he got this way. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happened to the man. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> so, um, that kind of actually brings me to a couple of questions that I kind of wanted to ask you as you kind of got to the end of your career, you were, you know, there during that first, the first couple of years of COVID kind of leading before you retired. Uh, what was that like in that position? What, what was it like in trying to cover all of that? Well, the, the, the funny thing was that we were building, uh, I mean, it's so funny. The, um, the Democrats, to this day, are scared to death of COVID. I mean, they they won't even come to court. I mean, they you know you could walk by the Senate Democrat Communications Office and it's dark, and 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 where we were all working, and 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 we're like, what's wrong with these people? They're so terrified. They're I mean, they're you know they got their masks and double masks, and, and why is it making a why doesn't being a Democrat make you so afraid? It's it's, it's crazy, but. They were they and like I said to this day they, their offices a lot of them are dark. I mean they, they work from home now, um, and it's hard. To, I mean if you're in the business of interviewing senators, you know you how are you going to do that from home? I mean it's 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 not easy unless you set up some kind of a home studio, which I didn't do. So um, yeah, it made things more challenging. It, it was, but with our I I didn't have the trouble that the Senate Democrat guy did. I mean he was the one that you know they they were all. And, and a lot of his members were from Philadelphia too. So they were, you know, they weren't even in the building where at least I could, you know, go talk to somebody. So that was the big difference. The Democrats kind of stayed home and hid and the Republicans still showed up for work. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it shouldn't, but it kind of does. It shouldn't. No, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense really. But for some reason, that's what, what was happening. And it's, Hanson, I have really enjoyed talking with you about politics. I kind of want to ask a couple personal questions. Um, the the one that I always like to ask is this. I'd like to ask if the eight to ten year old version of Hanson were to walk in the room and you talk you had the opportunity to tell him uh something, what would you let him what would you tell him? Floss your teeth. I'll tell you a story. I, I my I used to stay over at my grandma and grandpa's house when I was a kid, right? I was like, you know, six years old, eight years old. 
And next to their house was a general store, like an old fashioned general store. And the one whole row was filled with candy, like just candy. And my grandma would give me money and I'd go get candy. I just sit there and candy. I have had more dental problems in my life. I mean, you name it, root canals, replacement teeth, gum surgery, everything. And uh, it, if, if there's anything I could tell myself, this sounds ridiculous. I would say for the God's sakes, man, floss your teeth, brush your teeth, but stop eating all that sugar. You know, you, you're, it's, it was so much pain and, and, and so much money lost. You know, I think of the thousands of dollars I cost my dad or in myself, you know, just because I, I was too lazy to, to take better care of my teeth. So that has nothing to do with politics or anything else. But that is the one thing I would, if I could go back and, you know, tell myself something when I was eight years old, it would be for God's sakes, Hanson, you know, take care of your teeth. <laughs> I think that's excellent. Excellent advice to tell a young boy. So I think that's really cool. Well, luckily I was on radio, you know, and I had, I never had any desire to be on television. So I could, you know, when I was on radio, my teeth were, were not good. They, and I got some fixed since then, but, but um, yeah. So yeah, I, that's, that's what I would tell myself. So I had this, I don't know why it was, but I went my whole life without any cavities. And so I think I kind of slacked a little bit myself. And then I, I hate went to people the, like you. Well, and then I went to the dentist as an adult, you know, I'd been to the dentist my whole life. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm my, I think it's probably 36, 37. And I went in and they were like, you have eight cavities. And I'm like, like just in the matter of a year, eight cavities opened up and I'm like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> so I brush them pretty regularly now. So <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a big deal. It's one thing. Yeah. That I, 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 I don't know, but I, I, if there's anything I could change, I just think yeah. of all the pain, blues, and agony I went through that I that I've, you know, That's could awesome. have avoided. <laughs> and um, because our podcast is definitely about personal development for men and helping men be better men, what is your advice for the men that are listening today? Oh, I I would just say uh, don't be afraid to show your feminine side. I mean, that, that sounds kind of strange, I guess, but you know, when I was a kid, um, I don't know if this happened at, at your house, but you know, we go over to the grandparents' house for Christmas or birthdays or, well, we visited them like every weekend and you go to your, your grandparents' house, the men would all go to one side and talk about hunting and fishing and, you know, rebuilding their carburetors and, 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 you know, tractor pulls or whatever, you know. And then the women will go to the other side of the room and talk about their soap operas or, or you know, uh, just different stuff. And I always find myself going, hanging out with the women because I didn't hunt, I didn't fish, I didn't do all the mechanic stuff. I didn't, I never did any of that. So in a lot of the ways, I guess you could say, oh, Hanson was a girly man because he didn't, you know, do the stuff that's equated with being a manly man, you know, be doing the, the, you know, hammering nails and fixing stuff and so on and so forth. I didn't, I, I just wasn't any good at it. I, I barely, I was lucky I graduated from high school just to get through metal and wood shop was just, <laughs> it was, it was awful. You know, I wasn't, you know, I still enjoy, I still love sports. You know, I still, you know, I, I like movies for men who like movies, just like anybody else. But for some reason, I have that other bit of a gene or something where 
I enjoy a conversation with a woman probably more than I enjoy a conversation with a man. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, you have to, uh, <laughs> it's old cliche, be in touch with your feminine side, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's what works for me. I think. Yeah, I get it. I, um, I kind of tend to think that men have, uh, a masculine side only, but I think that that means that we can have a variety of interests, right? So like, I agree with what you're saying. I just word it differently, but I agree with your, with your thought because, you know, like I like to sew, you know, and I like to, um, you know, like to write poetry, you know, so I get so it. Did I. I get it. Yeah. When I was a kid, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one quick story about what happened to me when I was a kid. I, I used to like to write poetry. Now when I went to high school, I discovered journalism and I was the, the associate editor of my school newspaper. Um, and they had a competition, a writing competition. The York and Adams County Press Association had a competition where if you won an award at this competition, you were supposedly guaranteed a job at your local newspaper. So I entered, I won third prize for sports writing and I call the newspaper and say, Hey, I, I'm the, I won. Uh, what's my job going to be? And the guy goes, um, well, how fast can you type? And I said, well, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 words a minute. He said, well, I'm sorry, but you can't work here unless you can type 50 words a minute. Click. <laughs> he lied to me blatantly. So at that point in my life, I'm thinking, well, now what am I going to do? I, I, all this time I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the, you know, Pulitzer prize winning, you know, whatever. And now I, I know, but newspaper's going to hire me because I can't type fast enough. So that's when I had the whole career change and wound up going to work radio. If I, so that it changed my whole life. If I could type a little faster, I probably would have never gotten into radio. I love it. <laughs> that's a cool story. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, I think that's really good advice though for men. I mean, to, to not be afraid to express the things, you know, be who you are and don't, you know, have a good conversation with, with women and don't, you know, don't be ashamed of that. You know, like don't be ashamed of giving your kids a kiss on the cheek. You know, it's, I think, you know, or, or, uh, yeah, I think there's really good advice there, man. Yeah. Thank, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not afraid to tell you the older I get, I, cry at movies or cry. I mean, I, I, I can't any, any hit of sadness in a movie. Now I start crying. So it's like, I don't know what happened to me in the last few years, but I, I really become, become more uh, weepy eyed than I've ever been before. You know, like, when, you know, if, uh, like when Iron Man died in the, uh, you know, the Avengers, <laughs> I'm crying. I got, you know, Spock died in Star Trek wrath of Khan. I was crying. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Something's, the older I get, the more weepy I get. I, I don't know what's going on there. It must be some kind of a male hormone thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing either, man. I think it's a good thing. So, hey, I have really appreciated having you on the Manlyhood Mancast and talking about politics and journalism and, and your experience. And uh, I, I, I definitely have appreciated it, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much, Josh. A lot of fun. Thank you. Goodbye. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much, Hanson Quickle, for that tremendous interview. I have been 
working with you, like we said in our interview, for a long time, and I'm really grateful that you took the time to be on the Manlyhood Mancast today. Listen, those of you who want to follow up, want to learn, want to discuss, want to vent anything, hop on the Manlyhood Man Cave, leave us a comment. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review at iTunes. Please subscribe and like and comment at YouTube. Let's get the word out so that we can let people know how amazing this movement is. And when I say that, I'm not talking about how amazing Josh Hatcher is. I'm talking about this movement of men who are choosing to grow and level up and be better together. Let's spread the word about that. It's an exciting thing to be a part of. Listen, I love you guys. I care about you. And I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. And you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.